Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tim. Thanks for having me. Alright, so this is a, a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror films, we get together, we've watched a movie and we discuss it. It, it really is quite that simple. Uh, this is part of our Vampire Month here in January of 2021. Uh, we're recording in advance, so maybe the world's a better place than what it is right now. I hope it is, but you'll know better than we do because you're watching this in January. In the future! Because we're in the past, looking ahead to the future. So, this was actually a Patreon vote winner. Uh, we did a vote on patreon.com slash TV at the $5 tier and up. Uh, for films in each of the theme months that we've got coming up that we're sort of banking for uh, Tim's pa- uh, Patreon leave. Paternity leave was uh, <laughs> the phrase I was looking for there. And the winner of the vampire vote was none other than From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, which came out in 1996 and is directed by Robert Rodriguez. And written by Quentin Tarantino, and what a weird concoction of uh, people behind, behind a movie. I mean, we, obviously, we don't really talk about Tarantino much on this show because, well, he doesn't really do horror films. Maybe he will at some point, and that'll be an interesting thing to I'm, discover. But I mean, I, I guess like Death Proof is kind of the closest thing. Yeah, I, I think most people consider it a horror movie. I, I don't know, like, kind of is, I guess. But I feel like. Again, Planet Terror is more the horror movie, but because yeah. they're bundled together, it kind of, yeah, it gets lumped in in that sense. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, but... Uh, so, we'll talk about the movie, of course. We'll start off spoiler-free. We'll give you warning before we go into spoilers somewhere in the middle if you've not seen From Dust Till Dawn. This is the original film, because, of course, there was a couple of sequels and even a Netflix TV show much, much later, <laughs> uh, which I never yeah. did see, but I've, I've heard some positive things about it, so yeah, maybe it's good. Really? Oh. Uh-huh. Yes, I have. I mean, maybe they're fools. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you. Uh, what's interesting, though, is this also stars Quentin Tarantino. He's kind of in the second... Oh, maybe second lead's not the, the right term, because Harvey Cattell might be the second lead. Obviously, George Clooney's yeah. kind of the one first and foremost. Uh, but you got a younger Juliet Lewis in there. Uh, you got Selma Hayek in a small role. Diatrio. Tom Savini, Cheech is playing like three different roles. It's a hell of a cast. Uh, Fred Williamson's yeah. in there as well. Uh, very, very in-depth cast. Uh, John Saxon even has like a cameo, essentially. I was, I was forget that, yeah. Yeah, to the point where, because I saw his name in the credits at the start, and I thought, oh, I forgot, I forgot he was in this. And no, no wonder <laughs> I forgot he's in like a cameo. It's like I'm surprised he was even credited because he he, he just shows up for like one scene on on the TV, yeah. but uh still though clearly there's a love of the genre there's a love of like uh just like genre film making in general and this mm-hmm. you feel like they're, they're playing a, a lot of homage to various things uh of course it's a vampire movie but from dust till dawn is kind of a notorious vampire movie and that the first half of the film you wouldn't ever think it was going into a vampire movie you would think oh i'm watching a tarantino thriller and then the second half once the vampire said oh now it's a cheesy robert rodriguez schlocky movie <laughs> and it's a really weird transition and i guess we'll talk about if we think that's successful and what that gives to the movie and all the rest of it but i assume you'd seen this before oh yeah 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 of course all right so in that case then <laughs> what did, oh okay i didn't get the premise i always get the premise on so okay. <laughs> uh the gecko brothers played by Clooney and tarantino uh, are two bank robbers and brothers of course uh who are interested at the start of the film has been on the run uh, we see them go th- do a couple of different sort of uh, nasty deeds at the start. We'll go talk about that in spoilers, but uh, ultimately they end up kidnapping this family uh, with Harvey Cattell being this kind of former pastor and his two children. 
uh, who are sort of, you know, late teens, early 20s kind of thing. And they force them to help them cross the border into Mexico. And they go to a bar called the Titty Twister uh, mm-hmm. for their criminal dealings and ultimately end up uh, in the middle of a vampire den. Uh, so that's kind of the gist of the film. Tim. Yeah. What is your feelings on From Dusk Till Dawn? Uh, I absolutely love this movie. I, I think it's such a blast. Uh, you know, there's uh, some stuff that, like, you know, doesn't hold up super well. Um, you know, like some, like, you know, cheesy mid-90s special effects uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just a, just a really fun ride. It's, you know, uh, like you said, you know, it, it's hard to talk about it without acknowledging, you know, the fact that it does feel like two separate movies. Um, so I'm kind of just focusing on the vampire part, uh, part here. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I will say, you know, I, I do like the beginning as well, even though it's, you know, like in no, no way, shape or form, really like a horror movie. I, I still think, you know, it, it is compelling, you know, especially if you're a Tarantino fan, like it feels very, you know, Tarantino-esque, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, you know. I wonder if like, obviously it credits Robert Rodriguez as the director and Tarantino mm-hmm. is the, 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 the screenplay writer, uh, mm-hmm. I do really have to wonder though, like the first half feels like it's directed differently, and I I, I wonder yeah. if on set Tarantino was really just directing the first half as well, because <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels question, like yeah. it <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways, uh, because the direction feels different once the vampires hit. So yeah, uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know, but uh, uh, I like the movie a lot too. Uh, I, I I honestly watching it again now, having having not seen it in maybe like ten years or however long it's been. Um, I'd forgotten just how strong it was from a directorial point of view, and maybe I'll say something that Tim's really going to disagree with here. But I actually oh, think no. the first—I think the first half's better than the second half. I think it's a, a stronger made section of the film, and I think it's really smart, really tense. Uh, like I'm kind of on edge, and I enjoy the second half. Don't get me wrong; I'm not dissing the second half, but I mean, I, I think it's. Um... I mean, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it, but I feel like it's almost so hard to compare because they're like so com- such completely like different things, you know. Like, and uh, and I'm surprised at like obviously I remember that the, you know, that there is quite a bit of stuff that happens before, you know, the vampire stuff starts. But I was thinking like because it had been a while since I seen it, but I was thinking like, oh yeah, that's probably like what, like maybe like a half an hour before we get into it. And no, it's like actually, there's actually more of the beginning than there is the vampire stuff. It's like pretty much like a full on hour before mm. it starts, and then you get about like forty minutes of vampire. Yeah, and I do kind of like the idea of like, okay, you want these characters to have this shock that they're surrounded by vampires, mm. and how do you shock the audience with that? Well, you do it in a way where you literally have a different movie playing for like half of it, and then be yeah. like, "Oh shit, it's a vampire movie!" <laughs> like, I, I do appreciate the uh, the audacity of that, and the, the just the, whatever inspired that choice is is mm-hmm. kind of fascinating. It, you know, I is it's definitely unique, and it feels unique. Uh, yeah. I think the movie is very well directed, and the characters are fairly well defined. I think Clooney and Tarantino, especially are very charismatic to watch they're very exciting to watch and you know this you know might be my favorite george clooney thing oh uh, more than uh uh what batman and robin or is that what he did or <laughs> well he did yes he wasn't that but i'm trying to think what else has clooney done that i have actually seen i'm trying to think <laughs> um 
talking about it. I mean, uh, I, I guess maybe a lot of people would probably say like Ocean's Eleven, and I guess he's very charismatic in that. Oh, I guess. Uh, I mean, up in there was not bad. Michael Clayton's not bad. Uh, what was the? Uh, I was in Gravity. I, I, I do love Gravity, but he's not the main character in that. Oh though. yeah. Um. The. Uh, Burn after reading. That was the Cohen. Oh yeah, yeah. One he was in. Yeah, he's like in that. that yeah. Ah, oh, quite right, um, quite right. No, I mean, yeah, Clooney is like a very charismatic guy. It's obvious to see why, you know, he's a he's a, a star and everything. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, this this might be my favorite thing, um, of his, just because you know I, I lean towards genre stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty good in everything he does, and then like, yeah, I think it's funny, like, you know, I, I think Tarantino you know, isn't necessarily, like, the best actor, but I do think it, it really works for this character, which is just, like, you know, this pervy creep. <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, his first... Actually, no, it's his second uh, movie credit is for Grizzly 2, the concert. Of course. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, they said they were supposed to release that uh, soon. I wonder what the status of that is. <laughs> oh, I wonder, too. We're all waiting with bated breath for Grizzly 2, the concert. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, Tarantino is like very impressive in this. Like, it's just, obviously, he, he gave himself obviously parts in Reservoir Dogs and from uh, Pulp Fiction before this. Uh, but seeing him just in a movie that he's not directing, although I suspect that there was a little bit of input <laughs> there, uh, sure. it's really interesting. And seeing him be like the the you know the the person who's always with George Clooney and them interacting a lot, I'm like that Tarantino's actually a pretty decent actor. Like, I mean, may maybe he's just, like, good at doing, like, a creepy version of himself where he's, like, he's turning everything <laughs> up to 11 and he's, he's like, oh, being this creepy perv and kind of, like, you know, because his character in this is essentially that he's very, he's basically psychotic. You know, he he, he imagines yeah. people saying things that they're not saying and gets really paranoid and does really nasty things because of it. Um, Especially to, like, women and stuff. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah. Actually, actually, I laughed out loud. There's a, there's a point in this movie where Salma Haik, who plays, like, a stripper in the... the the, the the bar uh mm. she straight up puts her foot in tarantino's mouth and i start <laughs> i started laughing like like just like hysterically yeah. because <laughs> it's become kind of a running gag that tarantino seems to be a bit obsessed with feet because he's always mm. putting like people's feet like in these movies so i'd forgotten this happened in this so when she put her foot because yeah, I, I remember her being like seductive and dancing in front of him and all that but i didn't remember the foot getting in the mouth and I, all i could think was wait, you cast yourself in this movie and wrote this yourself. <laughs> you wrote this in the script. You did this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you didn't know it was going to be Selma Hayek, but you, you knew, you, you wrote down, sexy stripper puts her foot in my mouth. Like, mm. <laughs> you, you put that in yeah. there. <laughs> you, yeah, it's a bit strange. <laughs> creepy bastard. Uh, but, you know, but you know, he's actually very good. He's very compelling to watch. Uh, yeah. I think uh, at the very least, if you're going like the you know, list of directors that put themselves in movies. He's, you know, as far as acting ability goes, he's probably mm. high up on there. He's yeah. better than Shyamalan. I'll say, yeah, for you know, sure. I'll say, I'll say that. I, I mean, it seems a disservice to even bother comparing him to Tommy Wiseau, but he's, <laughs> he's definitely better in that case too. And even yeah. like, you know, Hitchcock, 
Like, Hitchcock was smart enough to know that he wasn't an actor, so he just gave himself, like, walk-past-the-screen cameos or, you know, he'd just yeah. be standing somewhere. So I don't really want to compare it, because he, he didn't give himself parts. He gave himself, like, legitimate just, like, cameos. But, uh, yeah. But, you know, to be fair, he has done quite a good job with acting. Although, notably, it's something that he's kind of, like, done less is the, the, the more time has went on. Yeah. Because has he been in much, like... Because he wasn't uh, in the last few films he made, I don't think. I'm pretty sure he opted out. Was uh, Django Unchained the last one he was in? Was he? What, what was he in that? It was towards the end. He's like, for some reason, I think he's like Australian or something. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, that may be the last time he gave himself a part in one of his own movies. Uh, yeah. Which maybe it's just because like, oh he, maybe he like doing it, but it's not like his passion. You know, obviously he loves to direct yeah. and write and all that. Maybe he's as he's getting older, he's like, you know what, I'm getting too old to be be the the actor now. I'm <laughs> now I'm just uh, behind the camera. But uh, and the, the rest of the cast are relatively solid. It feels like you know Fred Will- Williamson and Tom Savini. It feels like there's some genre icons kind of getting a little bit of shine uh, when they yeah. get to the bar. The, if if I maybe have any you know complaint. Um you know it, it's that I, I i feel like their characters are so fun i, I just i want to see more of them mm. like it's yeah it, it's a little unfortunate that yeah i, I feel like we're kind of you know di- they're kind of dispatched like a little faster than i thought because it's like um yeah I, I mean once like the the vampire stuff uh starts happening like i'm i'm a lot less interested in, in these main characters like you know especially the you know, like uh, Harvey Keitel and like you know the son and daughter and stuff. Like once his vampire stuff starts, they're kind of like the least interesting. And then, uh, but like you know, Sex Machine and you know Fred Williamson's character and stuff. Like you, they're just really fun to watch, and you really want to follow. Well, I mean, they're out of a different movie. That, that, I think this is why it feels. Yeah. Like, it's not just that they introduce vampires out of nowhere, like an hour out of the movie. It's that mm. all these other characters who are in the bar who end up like fighting alongside the main characters. They're all out of like goofy B movies where they're kind of like, you know, charismatic but in like a fun, cheesy way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it feels like, you know, the fact that Sex Machine has that weird gun dick thing <laughs> that he has. Right. Like, you know, just, just this weird, silly stuff that it just it feels like it doesn't fit with the serious thriller. Because everything mm-hmm. about the, the movie up until that point before the Titty Bar, uh, or Titty Twister is the name of the bar, <laughs> sorry, uh, is that it is very sort of like grimy and like a thriller and realistic intense and it's all about character tension and it doesn't feel like it's doing anything super like you know surreal or otherworldly or anything like that and then you've got these characters who are kind of cracking one-liners and uh you know there's, there's jokes about how they're killing vampires and stuff you know with pencils and all the rest of it it feels like it is a totally different movie in tone as well as just the fact that there's vampires all of a sudden um yeah. Maybe it'd even be interesting to see if it if it didn't change tone. Like, what if it just kept that tone, but now there's vampires? Like, that might have been an sure. interesting thing to see. Uh, but yeah, yeah that wet when in Mexico, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I, for some reason, the line of dialogue that I always remember sticks out in my mind from this movie is uh, is when Juliet Lewis asks Tarantino what's in Mexican Mexico, and he just says Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he thinks he's. It doesn't feel like he's been a smart ass either. It feels like he's that's just his answer. It's like he's taking the question yeah. just at face value. And that's that's what he's saying. Yeah. That's like that feels like a very witty, like Tarantino little bit of dialogue. It is, yeah. yeah. Um so no, nah, um 
Uh, it's a really solid time, honestly. Like, it's, yeah. it's a really, uh, like, charismatic, tense film, which, depending on your taste, you might really dislike sure. the tone shift when mm-hmm. it does shift. Um, luckily, I like both types of movie. Uh, but I, I will right. say, the, the goofier side of it does feel a little bit weirder after you've had, like, an hour of, like, serious thriller. <laughs> uh, so that, that's maybe the one thing is that maybe when it first changed there was a couple of moments where i'm like oh this feels weird now like <laughs> i was like engrossed yeah. in this really sort of down-to-earth thriller for the last like hour and now it's like switched to you know like goofy melting vampires <laughs> yeah and that's why I, I, I was trying to talk to some people on twitter about it to see if like you know what it must be like if there was someone that like didn't know uh, about the the kind of swerve mm. <laughs> that happens because uh, I do find that fascinating, like, and, and uh, you know, I look back at it and I talk to some people and it looks like it was always promoted, you know, as being like a, you know, having vampires and, and being that kind of movie and stuff. So I'm assuming most people that actually went to the theaters weren't surprised by it. But yeah, it's one of those things where if you, you know, didn't really grow up with it and you just randomly like put it on, like, yeah, I do wonder like how shocking that is. And, um, you know. I think it's such a thing that could very easily go south, you know, like if it's in the wrong hands, like, yeah, if you had different actors that weren't as charismatic, if you have like, you know, less talented writers or directors, it seems like an idea that's just, you know, really, really tough to pull off. But I I mean, luckily there's just so much talent in here involved that, you know, is it necessarily a smart move uh you know to do it this way i don't know but i mean it's like these people like can't help but you know make something interesting and compelling and yeah you know uh yeah i i agree that this first half is extremely engrossing even though you know it's not horror but uh man in different hands i wonder you know how much of a, a pain it would be to sit through mm. oh yeah all right so it's, it's yeah to Tarantino's script is what makes it sing in that first half. It's just yeah. this is you know that in the direction and the and the acting. I suppose it's supposed to be more. It's more than one thing then, I guess. In that but the point I'm making yeah. is that it feels like a Tarantino movie, and then it changes into a schlocky vampire movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you what just popped in my head? I actually just re- remembered looking at the poster on IMDb right now is that mm-hmm. when I was doing uh, art in high school, uh, mm-hmm. one of the written pieces of work that I had to do was compare like uh like three pieces of like similar art right and i remember what i did was is i can't remember the third one was but it was the original dracula poster the from dust till dawn poster and then like i think like a a new at the time a new vampire movie and the idea was that i was comparing like how they all kind of like how they've changed throughout the years but how they're also kind of clearly promoting similar types of film despite the fact that there's such a big time difference between you know the the thirties and then the nineties and then whatever you know mid two thousands I was thing I was looking at, um, yeah. I just I thought about it as I was looking at it because the, that's interesting yeah. yeah um I don't know just to pop back it in my head as I was uh, as you were talking there yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah I think we'll uh we'll you know uh, go to the spoilers in a second here then so I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers uh for the the month at the time of recording at least uh, obviously on the video at the end uh, an up to date list uh, when this goes out will be there but. At the time of recording, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bored Now, Al Trajman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are 
Patreon producers, which means they are patrons at $20 or more on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Uh, you can, of course, support us over there as well. Uh, you can do that for as little as $1 per month, and at that $1 tier, you get access to all of our bonus episodes that we have been putting out over the last couple of years. It's about 26, I think, by the time you get there. Um, and that is uh, something that typically goes up every month. Obviously, we're taking a little bit of a break uh, whilst Tim's on paternity leave. But uh, you can check out all that back catalogue. You get early access at the $5 tier. So a lot of goodies over there if you want to go and uh, support everything we do. Uh, you can, of course, do all that, though, without spending a penny. If you want to support us, you can just do that by hitting the like button on YouTube. Hitting the like button is super important. Helps us out with the algorithm, promotes us more on YouTube, and helps us find more audience members, uh, as do comments and things like that. Uh, five-star reviews of the podcast on whatever podcast app you use. Also very good. Uh, so, yes, uh, Thank you very much for your support. Uh, but uh, yeah, full spoilers for From Dusk Till Dawn, the original film. Um, the opening sequence is fantastic. I, I don't know how you feel about yeah. the opening in the, in the gas station, but it's... Oh, love it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's... You know, you have this, this US Marshal who comes in and talks to John Hawks, who just happens to be the, the guy in the station. Do you know who that is? Do you recognize him? No? No. <laughs> really? Not off the top of my head, no. I mean, after Thorell, he's uh, he was in Ice Still we did last summer, so you should know him from that. Oh, of course. After Thorell, like my favorite movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's in tons of stuff. I mean, uh, what, what would you know him from? Uh, he was in Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. He was in Winter's Bone. He was in Me and You and Everyone We Know. He was uh, <laughs> oh, he was in Lost. I forgot he was in Lost. Uh, he was in tons of stuff. American, American Gangster, apparently. I don't remember him in that, but apparently he was there. Okay. <laughs> Take your word for it. Okay, apparently Tim doesn't know who John Hawks is, but for everyone else, <laughs> a young John Hawks is the uh, the clerk in, in this movie. Um, and he's in his 30s. He's not that young, but he's young comparatively mm-hmm. to the fact that everything else I've seen him in was after this. But, um, so... No, so he's just making small talk, and it mentions on the radio, I think, as he's going in, that there's these two bank robbers, and he, the, the the marshal even brings it up that, oh, these two guys are going for the border, which would be putting them right through us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he looks forward to try to catch them, and he goes to the bathroom, and then it's revealed that, oh, they're, they're already there. Like, these two guys are in the in the store, and they've got hostages that they've grabbed, and they're like, hey, no, you better play it cool and, you know, like, make him leave without thinking anything's wrong. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing it, man, I'm doing it. Like, come on. Like, and he, it was very natural. Like, there's, not, there's not really much of a hint beforehand that there's anything wrong until they pop out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we're kind of introduced to the idea that Tarantino is a little bit uh, challenged. <laughs> all yeah, a little yeah. bit, not all there. Uh, where he's convinced that he was sending him signals uh, when he was talking mm-hmm. to the, 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 the marshal. And basically, when the marshal comes back out and the guy's making small talk, Tarantino just walks back up behind him and shoots him in the back of the head. And mm. he's, you know, everyone starts freaking out. And George Clooney's like, "Why did you do that? What did you do?" Like, oh, he he mouthed help me, am. And he's like, "No, he didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, I didn't." And obviously, a shootout <laughs> breaks out. I I totally forgot that this ends with uh, Tarantino <laughs> shooting all the booze uh, that's like mm. up in the counter behind him, and then. Clooney throwing in like a you know just a flaming toilet roll <laughs> so yeah, that he just he, gets caught on fire yeah th- uh, that's like <laughs> I was laughing so hard uh because yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like so over the top like 
you you think oh okay he's dead at this point and then yeah he comes up to the point where he's like still shooting at them while he's on fire which is so great and then he lands and the uh all the bags of popcorn which start popping yeah. because of the fire yeah it's a really over the top death so there is a bit of humor to it even though it's this really sort of like tense thriller uh throughout um yeah but you just, you just have this scene uh and again it's really darkly funny because george Clooney's kind of like say as they're walking away from this gas station which is blowing up behind them and they're in their way this is the chaos that like seems to happen wherever they go and george Clooney's like i just told you to go in and buy the map of the state and leave that was all i asked you to do um and tarantino's just like oh he recognized me he's like no he did not he didn't recognize anything <laughs> uh so again th- this entire situation where they've had these hostages where they've had to kill like two people all of this is because tarantino his character is just like edgy and like doesn't believe anything and sees what he yeah. wants to see so it sets up immediately this this idea of tension and also the idea that Clooney is the more empathetic one between them even though he's still quite mm-hmm. vicious and still threatens to kill people left and right and uh and i love their uh I think it's like so interesting, uh, their relationship where, you know, Clooney would be so better off, uh, without him. Like mm. he's, you know, Tarantino is such a liability. He, he's such a, you know, everything with him is like on a hairpin trigger. Like every, you know, you, you're just, it's not a matter of like, if he's going to get set off, it's just, you know, when, uh, and you know, I, I love that, you know, Clooney still like has this sense of, like responsibility for him where he you know feels like he has to like stand up for him and you know keep him by and uh e- even though it's like you know he, he also shows up tough love and gets angry at him uh and stuff when he messes up but it's like yeah he you know there, there's a still this like brotherly love uh there that i think is interesting and again it's just something that it makes Clooney a bit more empathetic not tarantino yeah. tarantino was no <laughs> like it doesn't do anything for him per se but it does yeah. do stuff for where Clooney's like looking out for him even though he's this even what he's like he still sort of like looks out for him um because because like, there's the whole scene where because they get to the motel and they've, they've got this like a bank teller that they have they have kidnapped kidnapped in the back of the car and mm-hmm. they bring her in and Clooney makes this big speech about here's the rules you don't speak you don't ask questions you don't try to run and if you do all this you will be alive i promise you have my word and he, he does this a couple of times in the movie where he like basically says you have my word if you follow what we say you will not be killed like you will get away and every time it ends up in tarantino who ends up like just killing the person or snapping yeah. <laughs> or, or something but Clooney comes back with some food for him and he's like wait a minute where, where is the woman and after he left, we saw Tarantino say, "Come and watch your know, TV with me." And he like sort of like yeah. you know pats in the bed and says, "Come here." And when he comes in and Tarantino's like avoiding the subject, he's he's like, "Okay, let me before you see it, let me explain what happened." And he opens the door, and you know the directing here is very specific. You know the the, the camera's tracking into Clooney as there's just these quick flashes of like the, the bloody bed and whatever's happened in this room. And Tarantino's trying to justify it and say, "Oh, she tried to run. She tried to do this." Um, and then we eventually see like she's lying in the bed with like a pillow over her head with bullets, like holes and blood everywhere. Yeah. And there's nothing to really suggest necessarily at this point. At least I, I didn't think Ethan suggested that there was like a like a rape that had happened. It's actually what mm-hmm. Clooney says afterwards that makes us all go, "Oh wait, did he do that too?" Uh, because T- Tarantino, you know, he gets grabbed by Clooney, and Clooney says, "You know, like is this because of me? Is this what you think I am? Do you do you think this is who I am and what I do?" 
you know, as as this criminal who was in prison, like you know, legit, you know, I'm a thief. I'm a pro pro professional thief who doesn't kill unless he has to, and I certainly don't rape women. Which, even if he didn't do it to this particular woman who he's just killed, it certainly sets everything up where every time he looks at Juliet Lewis for the rest of the movie, you're like, Ugh, or what's he going to try and do, or. Or, like, you know, you're just uncomfortable. There's yeah. this tension the entire time, every single time they're on screen together from that point yeah, on. And they, they kind of set up, like, this thing where he's, like, hearing, her, like, things that she's not saying. So, like, yeah, I, I think there's maybe an idea here where, you know, he's, when he's, like, looking at these women, he's imagining them saying, mm -hmm. like, hey, let's let's do this or do that, and then you know to him it's like okay yeah uh which yeah is very creepy and unsettling yeah and I, yeah i was that's what i was thinking i mean i don't know if the movie's trying to be deep because I, I don't think it is it's just a really well-made slick monster vampire movie but I, I was trying to think about kind of relating the characters of uh of you know seth gecko which is george clooney and Har harvey Keitel. harvey Keitel, who we get introduced to kind of like you know just after the death of this woman or just before maybe even is uh you know he's traveling in the rv with these two kids and he's a pastor who's given up his position because he's essentially lost faith because his wife died in a car accident and he's he's kind of like questioning everything. And I was I was trying to think about like, you know, Seth's determination to look out for his brother, even though he's like terrified of what he is and like like the fact that he's this dark dark character who who does kill people, who does assault people, who does do all these things. But he's still determined to sort of like stick by him no matter what. And I, I, I was just trying to think about if there was any correlation to, like, h him coming to terms with who his brother is, and with uh, Harvey Cattell coming to terms that he still has faith and he needs to have faith because of you know mm. what's going to happen in the movie. And I never quite did sort of link it up. But it definitely, I think, gives the two characters. There's a, there's a reason why eventually in the movie it feels like there's kind of a weird mutual respect or understanding between Seth and Harvey Keitel, yeah. uh, where they kind of like see eye to eye, and like there's a you know obviously early on because basically the reason why they kidnapped him was because you know Tarantino's killed the the hostage they had, so they need a new set of hostages, and oh they've got an RV they can help us cross the border, so it becomes this kind of like okay you're going to take us cross the border. You're going to talk to the crossing, you know, uh, the border crossing uh, guards, and you're going to, you know, get us in without being, you know, searched or anything like that. Uh, and at least a lot of tense moments where they're being, you know, questioned, and Harvey Cattell kind of messes up, and they they come on board, and all the rest of it. But uh, all of these, all of these beats leading up to get to the border, which are very, like, they're just very like Tarantino does this thing where when he writes dialogue, like. It, there's so many scenes where just characters like just looking at each other talking and somehow mm -hmm. he has like so much like ups and downs and so much like tension just through dialogue that it makes other movies just feel i don't know like he's above and beyond it's like he, he he gets more out of two people talking than most directors do out of just like characters like jumping around and throwing punches and action scenes and stuff yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, I think it's like that controversial <laughs> to say that Tarantino's pretty freaking good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like maybe, like lately, like with when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was coming out, I, I did start to see that there was some like people out there that seemed like they're kind of trying to be like, oh come on, he's not that good, and like you know he's overrated, and blah blah, and like I don't know, like I, I disagree with that. Like I, I think there's a definitely like a reason why. 
you know his stuff is so popular and why it feels like an event when his movies mm-hmm. come out like you know it's just yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean obviously something... there's taste obviously uh, you know you can sure. like or dislike him I, but i think it's very similar to christopher nolan and again not perfect and there's taste associated with these movies mm-hmm. but I think both Nolan and Tarantino are two of the few directors that when their name is attached to a movie and they come up, it comes up saying directed by Tarantino or Christopher Nolan, mm. it does feel like an event. It feels like a big deal. Yeah. And people care about it, so... Um, and it's like, it's like one of the few times where it's like, you know, you, you can still get excited by a movie that's not like... that's based on the creators and not the IP. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, that's a original, you know... It's not like, oh, I'm excited for this because it's Tarantino doing the Avengers. It's like, oh, no, it's <laughs> I'm excited for this because, uh, yeah, Tarantino just knows how to, you know, make really interesting characters. And you just kind of want to live in the whenever he sets something up, it's like a world you just kind of want to live in. Like, um, you know, like I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it was just it just felt like, oh, yeah, I just want to kind of be in this world for a while. I want to see where these characters go and what they do, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I like all this stuff in the first half with the, the family, and you know, because there's a whole scene where Clooney's talking to Kaitel and he's asking about how his wife died, and he's reluctantly sort of giving him this information, but eventually says, "Like, I'm not going to tell you any more about myself, about the fact that I, I used to be a pastor." Because he's asking, like, "Oh, you know, what changed? You know, what happened? Blah blah blah." Um, and you know, I think it's kind of. I think it's, it's it's kind of funny here too. Like you can, again, like Clooney is so charming. Like you can kind of see why. Like, yeah, like Harvey Keitel, since he's like you know the daddy's very protective, so he's like very standoffish towards like forming a friendship. But you can kind of see like the kids starting to endear themselves to him, which, yeah, I think is like kind of kind of funny because it's again he's just like such a likable guy that you can't really help but I don't be uh like attracted to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once they get across the border and they get to the the, the bar. And, you know, again, it feels like Harvey Cattell steps in to, like, sort of stop a fight because they're about to fight George Clooney because they say the the, the, mm. the, the bar's only for truckers and uh, oh, yeah. bikers and stuff like that. And he kind of argues his way Essentially into Essentially people that won't be missed. Exactly, yeah. Missing. It's just people who, who will easy to drop off the radar. Uh, but he kind of de-escalates it. And then, you know, Clooney sits down. They're waiting. They've got a contact to help, like, you know, get rid of their money and, like, get, get safe haven. That's basically their whole goal in the movie. But they sit down at the table with, with drinks and he encourages the kids to drink, uh, neither of whom have really drink because they're both under 21. Um, mm. She's not far off, I don't think, though. She's, like, maybe 19 or 20, supposedly, in the movie. Um, but... You kind of, uh, with the way people are treating her, you kind of hope <laughs> that she's a little older. Like that, mm. man, it always gets me that, uh, the border guard scene, uh, where, you know, he opens the bathroom door and, and she's there and like, yeah, obviously he's like, oh, excuse me. But then like the way he's looking at her, like way too long, it's so gross. <laughs> yeah. He peers quite a bit, which is especially, it's not even like his... I mean, not that this would make it right, but it's especially weird because his fa- her father is like sitting just up front, yeah. and you know, like I don't know, it's just an odd time to get pervy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I guess if you're a pervy dude, then there's no no wrong time to be pervy <laughs> in your mind, I would imagine. It's uh, always perv clock. It's always perv clock. Yes, that's quite right. Quite right. Uh, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> <In my office laughs> <store>. <laughs> but yeah, you because know, they they they're on um. 
you know they get to the bar it's like this kind of rough place there's like topless strippers like just dancing around everywhere um but you know this scene where he kind of insists that uh this is the thing at this point in the movie there's this tension's kind of been lifted but okay you're, you're hanging around with us for now but he's like hey you got us across the border i kind of like you guys now um yeah just don't do anything stupid and we're cool because like let's go get a drink and you're, you're waiting around with us but ultimately you know george clooney starts being a lot more happy about things um it it, it really it presents an interesting dynamic um and obviously putting them into a situation where they kind of have to all work together is is important um for you know for the for the arcs of the characters because the whole point is, is that these like people who are so opposed to begin with because one is kidnapping the other but by the yeah. end they're kind of comrades because they're they're trying to survive uh you know i guess vampires bring human beings together uh in a of way course. that uh, <laughs> other things just don't uh but uh of course tarantino dies quite quickly once stuff happens uh which, you know, leads to a big dramatic moment where, like, Clooney has to stake his own brother. Uh, although that's quite late on, admittedly. Because, of course, I am glossing over the scene where Salma Hayek comes out and sticks her foot in Tarantino's yeah. mouth. <laughs> right. And spits booze into his mouth and all sorts. All sorts of weird, yeah. kinky shit going on here. Tarantino's just writing his own fan fiction and living it, apparently. <laughs> So, uh, like, a, a couple of important things here, uh, I think. Um, one, uh, like, yeah, you, you mentioned before uh, that, uh, yeah, Cheech Marin has, like, three different roles in this. Uh, you know, first we see him as uh, the Border Patrol mm-hmm. guy, and then he's the bouncer at the bar. Um, Who lists then- every type of pussy that they have on yeah. offer at the bar, <laughs> uh, some of which is extremely disturbing, and I, yeah. uh, you know... Because at first he's just sort of listing like like races, like you know we got yeah. white pussy, we got black pussy, so on and so on. But then he starts getting really weird with it, <laughs> <laughs> like really weird. Uh, I I did not expect chicken pussy to be a phrase that yeah. was uttered ever in my life, but that's that's where he goes by the end. Um, yeah, and, and then like yeah, like you said, it's uh yeah once you're inside, it's um yeah it looks like you know very like typical like you know, like scary biker kind of bar place. Um, of course, you know, slash strip club. Um, but then, uh, you know, uh, another like, uh, you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, favorite. We get to see, uh, a very young, uh, Danny Trejo. Yeah. Uh, as the, uh, bartender. That's the thing. Like, if he was in something now, I would say him being there was like, kind of like how Fred Williamson and, and Tom Savini are kind of like, hey, these are, these are callbacks to like genre icons and like B-movie yeah. stars and stuff. Um, I feel like Diatrio would fit that description now. At the time though, he wasn't because this was Diatrio, yeah. you know, young and relatively early in his movie career. It wasn't the, the start of his movie career because I actually saw him in a movie that I watched on stream uh, called Runaway Train. Uh, okay. <laughs> which wasn't that good a movie, admittedly. It sounded better than it was, but you know, it is what it is. Diet is Trail, it a man. Movie he... or... And now uh, it's this sort of thriller, two convicts sort of like, yeah, steal a, or grassy steal, uh, commandeer a train, and okay. uh, they're on the run from the law. Yeah, Diet Trail has 394 acting credits on IMDb. Jesus. <laughs> In fact, he has. Okay. He has he has maybe like what twenty or so in like either production or post production or pre production. Wow. So he's got a lot. He's not even it's not even been released yet, which is uh insane. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the dude. Yeah, obviously it was nice to see him. Uh, you know, well, you know, I mean, it's not even. I mean, he was in a lot of stuff before 
then don't get me wrong like he, he was in a lot of stuff uh before because uh, the runaway train was 1986 so he'd been in stuff for like 10 years by this point um, but like yeah I, I think the thing is he, like like you're saying like he wasn't really a name like yeah like maybe when you watched it you would have been like oh hey it's that guy but like yeah most people probably didn't know him by name at that point yeah he'd already been in uh like heat for example he was in heat a year before which is obviously a big movie so that's kind of cool uh interestingly he's in uh from dust till dawn 2 okay interesting. Which is, <laughs> is he is he playing the same character he, uh no he's not although they both had the same first name. I wonder if they're doing some sort of weird uh, <laughs> thing where he's like his own brother or something like that. Um, I think I've seen like one of the sequels before. Right? I couldn't tell you well, anything about it. <laughs> uh, after Paternity Leave, it feels like something we'll have to get to, I think. Uh, okay. Is uh, two and three, two starring Robert Patrick. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, no, no, it's, uh, it's nice seeing him there too. Uh, there's yeah. a whole. It's, it's nice seeing all these faces. Uh, when does the carnage start? So, so, so the rules in this movie are pretty typical. Wooden stakes are still kind of the main thing that are killing things. They mention holy war. Uh, I like, I like that they acknowledge a couple of other things that they don't have access to. Like they mention how the like garlic works, but like, well, we don't have any, so it doesn't come up. Kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I do appreciate that. Uh, I like George Clooney's speech after the big first big fight, where he's like, "Look, I don't believe in vampires, but what I just saw were effing vampires, so we're just going to have to accept yeah. that and move on with the lights." <laughs> but yeah I, I yeah absolutely love that like i like, i understand it but i always kind of hate the trope where you know you, you have to get over this hurdle for the characters to realize what they're dealing with and i like that it's just very much like hey come on we all saw what just happened we know what this is like how are we gonna fight it now yeah and i like how by the end of this first first fight like our two sort of B-movie sort of characters, which is Fred Williamson and, and uh, Sex Machine, Tom Savini, mm-hmm. like, they're in a lineup with George Clooney and Harvey Cattell, and it's like, okay, now we've got this ragtag group of, like, fighters working together yeah. against the vampires. Um, and that stuff's surprising. You, you could have totally started the movie with them arriving at the bar and just made oh, yeah. the bar yeah. stuff longer. You really could have. Uh, but that's not what the movie is, and that's okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah we, we see vampires melting here. We see... Probably the most goofy B-movie thing that happens for a while here is Fred Williamson just ripping out at the heart of a vampire. And, <laughs> and then it still beats in his hand until he stabs it with a pencil. And then the vampire finally dies. It's, uh, it's really funny stuff. Um, yeah. I think one of my <laughs> favorite parts is, uh, yeah, Fred Williamson again. Um, he, I forget what his character's name was. Was it like... I think it's just Dude. Frost. It's, it's really simple. Frost? Okay. He like uh like kicks over a table and then he just continuously like just body slams like uh women onto the uh the legs. like legs of the yeah. table until yeah and then you just kind of see this end shot of, of like uh, bodies on each one I thought I just really like that yeah that's because I guess really B movie I, I that's what I really mean by this is that it's not just that they're fighting vampires that the tone takes a complete shift because now it's like they're... ripping hearts out body slamming out of the legs for really goofy sort of like fun mm-hmm. moments I'm not I'm not complaining. Yeah there's uh like out of nowhere that there was like a like a band like playing guitars and stuff before and then as soon as this stuff switches over there all of a sudden like their instruments are made out of body parts which is incredibly goofy like you you feel like you would see that in like you know evil dead 2 or something but again Mm. because of the tone shift and everything that's going on it's yeah it kind of works in this yeah very cheesy b-movie tone yeah all, all the vampire stuff starts because uh tarantino's hand uh the bouncer because uh, george clooney beat up cheech the bouncer uh before mm-hmm. they came in 
So when he, they come in, he sort of start a fight. They stab Tarantino's hand, which already had a gunshot through it from the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the blood's dripping from it, and this makes Salma Hayek sort of like, sort of, she starts sniffing, and she like, sort of turns into like, for some reason she turns into like a complete reptile head. Uh, and then there's a couple of other vampires that really specifically have like different sort of forms. Like most of them just sort of have like more sort of vampire looking faces, but there's a couple mm-hmm. of them that have more sort of monstrous heads, uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and then, like, even, uh, you know, Sex Machine, who ends up getting bit, he, like, transforms into, like, this weird kind of rat monster. Eventually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, And they make them all these characters likable enough, where, you know, he kind of, like, helps, uh, you know, Juliet Lucy's character and sort of asks her her name, and he, yeah. she's like, oh, I'm Kate, like, what's your name? And he's like, oh, I'm Sex Machine, nice to meet you, and they shake hands. And it's just, it's yeah. just he says it, he doesn't say it in like a, like a sort of, like, I'm Sex Machine, baby. He just says it, it's yeah. just very straight-faced, that's his name, happy, you know, very pleasantly, oh, I'm Sex Machine, nice to meet you. That's uh, so funny. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, like, all that's good. And then Fred Williams starts talking about Nam. Like, I was a Nam in 72, and, like, you know, pale of dead bodies, and I had to do this to survive, and it, it really sets him up as this, this uh, very capable guy um it's so great and it's like a uh you know when he's given that big speech and then it's you know it, it feels very much like the you know uh, like quint speech from jaws or something where it's like all right now things have quieted down before and you got this kind of you know hardened hero talking about their past and then uh i like that yeah it just ends with like a sex machine is <laughs> kind of creepily you know uh creeping up on him <laughs> and yeah. then it's taking a bite out of him which um and it's kind of funny too. The like, in a way, the creatures it almost feels a bit like zombie rules too, where you know there's not like this siring process with the vampires. It is oh, more yeah, just yeah. like you get bit and then like, yeah, you're because one of yeah, them. sex machine doesn't get bit in the neck. He gets bit in the arm, just kind of yeah. you know randomly. Uh, so they do a little bit of a vamp, uh, a zombie kind of rule with that, um, which. I mean, I don't necessarily like that in general for vampire. It works fine in this movie, but yeah, it's it's exactly. kind of the thing where, like, you know, I, I do I do respect the, the idea of the vampire having to make the choice to sire them properly, so that not yeah. everyone who gets bit comes back as a vampire. Uh, I, I kind of like that 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 take on mythology. But one of the things that stuck out to me is like we have Milton vampires, uh, which you know, obviously we did Fright Night earlier in the month, and mm. that like had the Milton vampires for the most part too. And the other correlation here that I think is kind of interesting, although I think I, I like it here maybe a little bit more. Uh, but was that from uh, Fright Night? What? No, that was the, Fright the Night. Yeah. Melting? No, no, the melting was definitely was. But the other thing I'm about to bring up is that okay. uh, this idea that once they're sort of because they kill all the vampires more or less that are in the building. Uh, and the the danger comes from the fact that all these bats are going to be swarming the place, and they're all going to turn to vampires, and mm. uh, they're going to have to try and like hide or fend themselves off till morning. And George Clooney like turns to uh, Harvey Keitel and says, "Like, hey, you've lost your faith, but if you like can find your way back to that, oh, you're yeah. actually our biggest weapon. You can turn the tap water into a weapon. You can, mm-hmm. like, you know, blesses. You can, you know, you're actually the biggest tool we have in order f- to fight these bastards because you're a pastor. You you can bless water." And shit like that. And I, the reason why I was saying, I was comparing this to Fright Night a little bit is the idea of, like, in Fright Night, remember, the cross only worked if you believed in it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I kind of like, you know, the closest thing we kind of really have to an arc for him is this idea that, yeah, he kind of has to believe in his faith again to kind of fight back. And, like, you know, I, I think there's something really kind of about the visual of him making a cross with a shotgun and then, like, occasionally firing the shotgun but then holding it back up as a cross as he's, like, backing yeah. away uh, later on. But 
uh, and he blesses the holy water that goes into his kid's water gun <laughs> when they're you know, get, getting ready to fight back. Because yeah. uh, he ultimately gets bit and he knows he's dying. Uh, he threatens to shoot himself if the kids don't promise to kill him when he becomes a vampire. Which they wouldn't actually kill him though because he's already turned into a vampire so it's kind of an empty threat outside of just he will die quicker, I, su- I suppose. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. uh, how do you feel about the, the very phallic uh, stake driver thing that George Clooney <laughs> ends up with? Uh, I think it's great. I mean, this whole section is so fun. Like they go, you know, they're kind of forced into this back room once like, you know, all these... Uh, you know, more, more and more vampires start to appear. And, um, you know, like we said earlier, you know, the, the idea that these vampires are feeding on like kind of truckers and people just kind of like driving through that won't really be missed. Uh, so they have like all this extra, you know, like loot and, uh, you know, uh, stuff that they, they take from them. So there's like just this kind of hodgepodge of different things they can use, uh, as weapons. Uh, I think, it's so cool like gearing up and then seeing everyone kind of have their different thing and then uh yeah Clooney just making this giant like I, I don't even know exactly what it is some type of drill thing I guess I, but... I assume it's uh like a jackhammer that he's converted so, yeah maybe yeah he's put like a wooden stake on the end of it or something like that yeah but um, no I mean super cool and then yeah it's just very funny him, him holding up and obviously yeah it does seem very phallic yeah, and then you've got the whole... I mean, and it's not the only phallic weapon. We've already mentioned Sex Machine's gun dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that has the two chambers, so it looks like a, a cock and balls. Uh, but no, I, I like later on when they realise it's daylight and she, she uses what bullets she has left to sort of make these beams of light uh, to sort yeah. of protect them. Because obviously Harvey Cattell ends up killing his son when he turns into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And then Juliet Lewis has to shoot the, the, her brother in the head because he, he begs her to when he's getting bit. So, you know, it's really dark, and she's left the kid nothing. Uh, they do survive, though. Eventually, the guy, who's also Cheech, <laughs> shows up to meet <laughs> George Clooney. And, like, George Clooney, like, basically negotiates his, like, his cut a little bit, you know, because he's better, like, pay him so much for, like, you know, keeping him off the grid. And, you know, he does this thing where he apologizes to Juliet Lewis because he does genuinely feel bad for getting her whole family killed. Uh, yeah. And even she says, sorry, I'm sorry your brother died kind of thing. And he gives her, like, a lot of cash. Like, hey, go home and, you know, start your life over. And, you know, because he, he probably hands her, like, 10 grand or something like that. I don't know whatever the amount yeah. may be. Um, it's kind of a, hey, this is to pay for your horrible night and the death of your family. <laughs> uh, you know, go on. Um, but, like, it's a... It, do you know what it is? It's a really solid, fun B-movie, essentially. Yeah. That's, it takes itself seriously, for at least for half of it, and then gets really fun with its silliness. But, you know, as I was watching the opening and as, as the titles were coming up, I was kind of like going, you know what? They don't make enough movies like this anymore. Everything, like, doesn't have this style. It feels like everything's... I don't know. I, I, it's one of these things where, yeah, okay, it's easy to cherry-pick the good stuff from the past and say that it's all crap now because we watch so much crap. But yeah. there's definitely styles of movie that I feel like, man, why don't we get things that feel like this? Why, why is there not movies that feel like that are this slick, that have this level of craft behind them? And maybe it's just yeah. a case of, yes, not every B-movie can be directed by Rodriguez <laughs> and written by Tarantino, but, yeah. you know. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, yeah, no, it, it really feels unique um, and special. And, and yeah, like, I, I can't really think of anything uh, necessarily like it or, you know, especially anything that we've gotten in, like, the last, whatever, five, ten years. Um, so, no, I, I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, 
I would say the vampires themselves are my, I, I'm not really into melting vampires. Vampires should be uh, dusting. Uh, that is my opinion on the vampire mythology. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie. Because I'm having such a blast with all these characters. And like you say, yeah, some of these 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 characters in the bar, you wish they lasted a bit longer because like, like they're, they're, they're fun to watch. And it feels like, like I said, you could start this movie with them arriving at the bar and just sort of reveal through a backstory, like what, what, you know, why they're here and how they got there. And you could spend yeah. a lot more time with these other characters and like have more of a kind of a siege kind of thing before you get to all the stuff that would eventually end with. But um, there's other movies for that. And I, I think right, yeah. this having that first half really gives the second half this context that is so rare in these types mm-hmm. of B-movies that, you know, that, that it's unique and it feels different. And I don't think I would change any of it because it's what makes it from dusk till dawn. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, like, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, it, it's always a, a good complaint to have when, you know, when you're really just saying like, oh, I, I want to see more of this. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's a, yeah, a testament to the strength of the characters. I mean, I, I think, you know, what we get is the right call. Like, yeah, it might take away if, you know, from what's kind of special about it, if it is more of just a traditional, um, hey, here are these, here are these guys and we're going to follow them, whatever. Um, but yeah it's like no like every everything is so like cool and likable that yeah you can't help but kind of you know want to spend more time in that yeah there's, um, a, there's a nice touch as well because earlier on in the film uh like there's a couple of moments where george clooney's kind of influencing kate uh, juliet lucy's character mm-hmm. where you know he makes her drink and she kind of gets into it and asks for a second one and harvey cattell yeah. doesn't seem too pleased that he's kind of having this like influence on her and I think this, it says something at the end of the movie, her, you know, uh, George Clooney, when she says, hey, do you want some company? Because she has nowhere to go. She's like, hey, can I just like, come with you? And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll be with you now. And George mm-hmm. Clooney, I, I think there's kind of a, a little bit of a character thing there where he he, he says, no, you're like, and he says, no, go home. Um, Like, you don't want to be a part of the world that I'm going to be in. And I, I think yeah. that that's him saying, no, I don't want to influence you. I like, I realize that you becoming part of my world is, is worse for you. So mm-hmm. it's almost like he's respecting the wishes of her father and he's, you know, he's doing the right thing uh, yeah. for whatever reason, whether it's because of he respects her father, whether it's because he knows that he's in a life that she shouldn't be in. But it does feel mm-hmm. like a good character beat at the end for him to say, no, go home. Um, and then the final shot, of course, reveals that this bar is actually the top of like an old like Mayan-looking pyramid. Yeah. Uh, with all these like trucks and old vehicles all just thrown down the back of it and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's like obviously a, it's obviously a painting, but it's got charm. I'm, yeah. I'm not complaining about that. Yeah. No, I totally like that, and uh, I really like the ending. And uh, yeah, I feel like other movies might be tempted to even have like maybe even like uh, even though she's very young like to hint at like a romantic angle mm-hmm. or something but yeah i i like that they don't go there and it's it is like no yeah like you know this isn't your life you shouldn't <laughs> idolize this like um i also really like when he's uh meeting up with uh you know the final uh cheech character uh i i like that you know um like other movies i i feel like might be tempted to have some type of plot reveal where he's working with the vampires or something, mm-hmm. or there was a reason why they led them there. But I like that, you know, his, like, he was like, why'd you pick this place? And he was just like, I don't know, is out of the way. It was open all night. You wanted to meet me in the morning. Like, I like that. It's just very, um, there's no reason for it. There's no big 
like reveal or anything. It's just yeah. like oh, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> yeah, I just I picked this place because it looked like a good place to pick. I've never been here before. It's just the way yeah. it is. You know, actually thinking about it, I think I've maybe kind of got a connection thematically between the two lead characters, uh, meaning George mm-hmm. Clooney and Harvey Keitel. I think mm-hmm. what connects them both, or what kind of like get, get you know, like George Clooney's character, like his thing is that he's so sure of who he is. Like that's the big thing in that scene early on where he like you know grabs Tarantino and like yells at him for killing the woman and like what he does to women and. And how he just kills people left and right. He says, "You think this is what I am?" Um, mm. I think the whole idea of like the two characters, like him and Harvey Keitel, is that they're both like struggling with their identity. Where mm. Clooney like seems to know what he is, but his brother's kind of like getting in the way of him just being that. Um, mm. And I think alternatively, Harvey Keitel's lost who he is, and he's unsure of who he is because he's lost his faith. So later okay. on in the film, you have two scenes. You have Harvey Keitel at the, the table where he says, look, you've won. Why can't you enjoy that you've won? Like, everything's worked out, and yet you're still kind of unhappy for some reason. And then after yeah. that, you have Clooney saying, hey, you have to find your faith again, because that's going to be your biggest weapon. It's basically this encounter makes them both kind of confident and sure of who they are. Uh, and maybe that's, you know, why Clooney making that decision at the end of the movie to say, no, you're not coming with me. You're going to go and be someone else, because that's not, you know, I know who I am, and that's not for you. Um so yeah, I, I think ultimately this yeah, movie's about yeah, Clooney and Keitel both kind of like rediscovering and being sure of who they are. Um yeah. and, and maybe that's why you know, and even though I said Clooney still has to find it a lot, but I think Clooney is more sure of who he is based on what he's saying. Yeah. Based based on what he says to Tarantino, but maybe that's the idea is that he does know who he is. It's just that Tarantino's kind of like keeps stopping him from outright being it. But I think that's maybe why the kids start to kind of like almost take to him a little bit is because unlike their father, he does he is sure of who he is. He is confident. He, you know, he, you know, for good or bad, he is what he is, and he knows who he is. Whereas their father is kind of unclear. He doesn't really know what he wants to do. He's kind of searching for himself a little bit. So there you go. That's my that's my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like that. That's uh yeah. So I didn't really think about that, but that's a good take for sure. All right. Uh, okay, I guess we're uh, ready to rate the movie then, uh, Timmy. So, what would you like to give from *Dust Till Dawn*? You know what? I, um, I think I'm gonna go actually really high. I think I'm gonna give it a nine. Which, uh, mm. honestly, like you know, before after rewatching it for a while, I, like before that, I, I don't think uh, I would have gone that high. I'd be like, yeah, that's probably good. Like, what, like seven point five, maybe eight. But I mean, rewatching it uh after a while it's just yeah like i can't really think of anything to complain about like i mean the only thing that really i can say is like you know that there's some 90 special effects that don't hold up super well like you know some of the face morphing and stuff when it's like kind of mm-hmm. you know cgi uh, i think you know, it doesn't look great but i think the melting of the vampires when the die looks good but i think what you're talking mm-hmm. about is when like selma hex head turns into right. the monster head yeah exactly. that stuff looks effy yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's a little dodgy, and I I don't know. Maybe uh, there's some stuff that I feel like um, like uh, I feel like maybe we could have gotten like a little bit more um, uh, sense of a character of like the the son because uh, like Juliet you know Lewis Dreyfus like uh, or not Dreyfus but <laughs> <laughs> Juliet Lewis you know yeah, yeah wrong person yes <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah like like she feels like a, a more fully fleshed out character and like the son though I feel like you really don't nah. learn much about him or anything. So, I mean, there's a few nitpicks here and there w- with that stuff, but like overall, it's just such a fun and um, 
engrossing and compelling movie. And uh, again, because of these melding of like these two halves, like these kind of different genres, it, it makes it feel really special and unique, like to the point where I can't really think of much else like it, you know? And, uh, and again, you know, you mentioned before, like everything just feels really slick. Um, and you know, you're dealing with like a lot of, you know, just great performers and writers and directors that, uh, yeah, it's just such a blast, uh, that, yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, actually, I guess I made a nitpick. Uh, if I thought I'd give it one, is that for a movie where the last half is set entirely in Mexico, there's almost like no Spanish speaking of like at all. I think the That's band's true. singing Spanish, yeah. but uh, you know, Cheech when he's like yelling outside to like entice people in, he's speaking in Spanish. Or sorry, mm. speaking in English. Sorry, and then like everyone who works in the place is all speaking English, like without fault and. Not that, 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 that I'm saying that there shouldn't be any English, but it just it kind of feels weird that there's like everything is just English by default. It's almost like it's just because it's, it's a movie, yeah. everything's in English without anyone even saying, "Hey, we're Americans, speak English" or something, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah. As far as my uh, rating goes, um, it's tough because I think you know, I, I, similarly beforehand, I would have said. I've been really positive about the movie, but I think watching it again is like sort of reignited and made me remember. Okay, this is actually really good. This is maybe even stronger than I remembered it being. I think I'm going to go a, a nudge lower and say eight point five. I, I think it's a really great movie. It it is very well directed. It's very well written. The performances across the board are very good. Uh, the you know there's maybe a bit more meat on the bone that maybe I originally thought as well, having thought about it more as we're talking mm -hmm. about it. Uh, but it, it's you know like maybe the vampire sort of mythology and this isn't my favorite kind of thing or mm. uh like you say the goofy selma Hayek, like monster head and that kind of stuff maybe, maybe just it's a little bit off of it here or there um but it is a really really strong movie um and i had a blast watching it again so uh yeah. there you go that is from dust till dawn and uh i can't wait to see how bad the sequels are so uh <laughs> we'll get there uh in due course uh well if you made it this far in the review uh, I can't say some of the more obvious things because they're all sweary or dirty. So, uh, <laughs> how about <laughs> how about we uh, just go with say "sex machine"? If you you know put that in the comments, you if you made it this far <laughs> in the review, just put in uh, "sex machine" uh, there. I will make Tim do his pose for the thumbnail. So, three, two, one, pose. Why not? I mean, why not? Uh, so. Yes, there you go. Uh, <laughs> earlier on, we mentioned liking, of course, is really important as, as patreon.com slash TV if you want to support all the content and get bonuses. So please go and look at all that stuff. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at Screams Midnight for updates and random jokey stuff and whatever else we happen to throw on there. So please do that. Um, otherwise, you know, um, I don't do this often enough, but I check out some of the other content that we have. Uh, I do a sci-fi movie podcast just like this one with Tara uh, called The Atomic Cinema Experiment. So, you know, have a go look at that and see if you're interested. Um, we're almost, uh, in fact, actually by the time this goes up, we should be just over 100 episodes of that. So uh, that's uh, booming. So go and have a, have a look-see. Uh, but yeah, uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies. And we will see you next time.